Hey, what is up, Mets fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Mets Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Cutajar, and we're diving into our final positional review, looking at the bullpen. All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Mets Talk Podcast. Like I just said, I'm your host, Greg Cudajar, and I can't wait to get back into talking about the New York Mets. Now, over the past month, we have been preparing for opening day by going week by week looking at different positional groups for the Mets. We started with the infield, looked at the outfield, last week looked at the starting pitching, and here we are about one week away from opening day, which is just crazy to think that opening day is already here. I'm so excited. You know, we've got the World Baseball Classic Championship going on tonight, which is also exciting. Um, And that brings us to our final positional preview. So, you know, in this episode, we're going to start diving into the bullpen. And now, you know, This is a group that has, frankly, seen a lot of change to it in the past week. So we're going to go over all of that, going to go over what this group is going to need to do to deal with the adversity that it's already facing and has already been facing throughout spring training. And, you know, I'm just really excited to get into this final group because it's been a really awesome past month looking over the guys, looking over who's going to be on the team, going to be on the bench, going to be in a depth role, and what the projections say they're going to do in 2023. All it's done is gotten me more and more excited to see this squad, see these 2023 Mets out there playing baseball, and finally baseball is going to be here in just a few days. So, you know, without any further ado, let's get into the bullpen. So diving into the starters, and you know, I kind of referenced this in the intro, but we have to address the elephant in the room of Edwin Diaz, as the Mets will more than likely be without Diaz for the entire 2023 season. So last week, after Puerto Rico's big win over the Dominican Republic in the World Baseball Classic, Diaz, after striking out the side to close out the game, doing his Diaz thing, the the players all ran out onto the mound to celebrate, and in the celebration, Diaz tore his patellar tendon in his right knee, requiring surgery, which he's already had successful surgery, but... What comes after that is usually around a six to eight month recovery period, basically taking him out for the entire season. Now, he said that he thinks, you know, he's going to he's going to try and get back for this season. But frankly, as unlikely as that already is, do we even really want Diaz to rush his recovery, rush his rehab and and hinder his success in 2024 next season? I don't really think so. So I think, you know. If I was a betting man, I would just say he is definitely not going to be playing this season, which is huge. I mean, that is a monster hit to the bullpen. And frankly, I mean, the Mets have a ton of players out in the the World Baseball Classic right now and and, or have had them throughout this. I mean, the championships tonight. So, you know, every team except the United States and Japan are home. But, you know, the Mets had a lot of players playing in this tournament. But the one that I the guy I was most worried about getting hurt was Edwin Diaz because he is the anchor to this bullpen. He is that guy that, you know, as long as you can get a couple arms to work from the, I don't know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth innings, if you can get bullpen guys to cover those three to four innings, 
you know that you're going to be good in the ninth with Diaz. That's what it was in 2023 or 2022. I know it wasn't that in the past, but Diaz was always trending in the right direction and just last year completely broke out, looked good in spring training this year, looked good in the World Baseball Classic, and it's just absolutely crushing that the way that the Mets lose their star closer is in a fluke incident during a celebration. And, you know, as much as it stinks for the Mets to lose their their closer, it also stinks for baseball, losing a guy who really revolutionized the, the entertainment aspect of the sport with his intro and, and bringing in Timmy Trumpet and the way it got fans just excited at the ballpark. I think that is huge for the game. And, you know, it also created a, a really polarizing debate online about the, the World Baseball Classic. And I think, you know, I don't want to get into all of that, but you know, all it is you know, just frankly, is it stinks to see a guy do go down, no matter when it is. You know, actually, I should mention Brandon Nimmo also is dealing with an injury he suffered in spring training. So, you know, it just stinks to see players get hurt at all. And it, it really does hurt the Mets to lose Edwin Diaz for this season. And what that that's going to require, and I'm going to get into it more as I go through the rest of the guys in the bullpen, but it's going to require guys to step up, guys to take his place, and guys, you know, their their roles are now shifting one more step up in terms of high leverage. You know, the your your what you thought were gonna be your eighth inning guys, seventh inning guys, now move up to your ninth and eighth inning guys. Who you thought were gonna be your fifth and sixth guys, now move into, you know, the seventh and eighth inning roles. So, you know, all in all, this is a, a really big hit to the Mets bullpen, really big hit to baseball, and it's going to require the depth guys and the guys behind Diaz to really step up in ways that we didn't really expect heading into the season. And so with that, it takes me into the first guy who will be starting for the Mets or will be in the Mets bullpen, you know, all things considered. And that is David Robertson. Now, Fangraphs, who I use, uh, I've talked about in the past three episodes, but Fangraphs generally seems to be a, a more conservative uh, projection tool, which I like because I think you should, you know, generally set expectations lower. So heading into the season, the, the, the expectation is not absurd. So Fangraphs projects David Robertson to have a 366 ERA with 24 saves, 75 strikeouts, and 30 walks in 62 innings. Now, Robertson really is the only silver lining in the entire DS situation, and that is the fact that having Robertson on the roster means you have a guy who has significant closing experience already there. So for the Mets, losing Diaz, I mean, you can't replace him. It's impossible to replace Diaz. But, you know, really, as... as terrible as the situation is, I don't think a lot of teams have the luxury of having a guy who was a closer last season for the Cubs and the Phillies in the World Series just already on the roster waiting in the wings. So, you know, losing Diaz is a hit, but having Diaz or having Robertson there is huge. Now, Robertson, I wanted the Mets to acquire him last season at the trade deadline because he was great with the Cubs and he ended up going to the Phillies, which was really a tough pill to swallow. And he's had a really long and successful career. And, you know, like I mentioned, he has been the closer of a team 
the closer of a World Series team as recently as last year. So I think right now the Mets are in as good a situation as they could be after losing Diaz. You know, that really isn't a good situation. But having Robertson ready to go, a guy who pitched to a 240 ERA last season, I think is is huge. And Robertson's really going to have to step up and continue the success that he had last year in the closer role this season. I think, you know, 366 ERA, obviously a big jump up from the 240 he had last year. But if he can give the Mets anything in between, you know, a 275 to a 3, that would be that would be great, especially out of that closer spot. Now, the next guy to turn to is our old friend from last season, Adam Anovino. Fangraphs is projecting him to have a 343 ERA with, with six saves, 73 strikeouts, and 27 walks in 64 innings pitched. Now, Adovino was, in my opinion, a big surprise last season. I was expecting him to be a decent middle relief arm when they signed him, but he turned out to be an elite setup guy. And, you know, his most impactful pitch would really just be his slider, especially to righties. It just completely flies out of the zone and its huge sweeping motion really ties up players from both sides, but especially righties. So, you know, I think that Ottavino, you're going to see him also be balancing the role with, uh, with Robertson, that that eighth, ninth inning role, I can see them going back and forth with both of those guys because Adovino did have a couple of saves last season. He did fill in, you know, when Diaz was unavailable. He was kind of the next man up. But I do think that because of Robertson's closing experience, he'll be the primary closer and Adovino will stay in his setup role where he really, really thrived last season. Now, I do think that the projection that the that Fangraphs has for him is is honestly a little reasonable, especially in the the twenty seven walks department. Because last year he he only threw sixteen walks, which was great, but he had thirty five the year before, and he's always been a somewhat of a high walk guy. So I think twenty seven is is a a reasonable regression. And you know, last year he had that two oh six ERA as well. And I I think you know, like Robertson, he's definitely due for some regression, but. You know, I don't think it'll be as big as Fangraphs is projecting him down, you know, to a 3-4-3 three, three ERA, which, you know, isn't horrible. Obviously, that's not not a uh, a, a terrible mark, but I, I do think Adovino will be a, a, a solid guy this year. He's been good in the World Baseball Classic, and, and uh, he's a guy that just really seemed to find a groove with the Mets after, you know, kind of having a, a tough go of things in Boston with the Red Sox, so... I think he's just comfortable, and I think that's why he chose to return on the, the one-year deal with the option that he did. So I'm really excited to see Adovino back, and I think him and Robertson will make still a very um, strong duo at the end of this bullpen, maybe just not as strong as having Diaz there. Now, the next guy to mention is Brooks Raley, who kind of slotted into that seventh inning, eighth inning role with Adam Onovino, and I'm very excited to see Brooks Raley. So he's projected to have a 368 ERA with 67 strikeouts and 21 walks in 62 innings pitched. I think he was a really sneaky addition for the Mets this offseason. They traded for him kind of at the beginning of free agency, winter meetings area uh, around that time. And, you know, we're able to acquire a pretty elite lefty from the Rays. He took a really big jump last year in 2022, pitching to a 268 ERA over 60 appearances for the Rays. And looking at his baseball savant page, he is some really 
really high marks, especially in terms of his hard hit percentage where he's in the 98th percentile and his barrel barrel percentage in the 99th percentile. And to me, reading those numbers, that tells you that he is able to generate soft contact. And I think that's going to be important in the era now of no shift because now soft contact you're going to have fielders on both sides of the the infield to go and get those balls to be able to to throw guys out you're not going to have any soft contact dribbling to the other side against the shift or anything like that so i think that Rayleigh is going to be an important piece to this bullpen and you know compared to last season he's going to provide the you know, good lefty arm out of the bullpen that the Mets really didn't have at all last year in 2022. You know, it was just a constant carousel of multiple guys coming in as lefties, and it wasn't, you know, you weren't able to really rely on any one guy out of the pen. But I think Rayleigh, with the numbers that he showed, his underlying stats, and, you know, that jump up he took last year, I think he's going to prove to be a big piece of this this 2023 bullpen for the Mets in that setup role I kind of see him as like a Seth Lugo type of guy where you know he's probably going to be your seventh inning guy you know a setup to the setup or could be your eighth inning guy if need be and you know because the Mets don't have Diaz now it wouldn't be surprising to see him jump in there every so often in the closer spot in that ninth inning spot if the Mets you know, if the lineup, I guess, kind of kind of works that way. So, you know, I think these three guys are really the ones that are going to have to step up the most with the absence of Diaz, Rayleigh, Adovino, Robertson. They're the best arms the Mets have in the bullpen. They're the three guys at the back end. And I think they're going to have to really, you know, both perform well, but also adjust to having, you know, this new shift in the pen towards, you know, Robertson being the closer. So, Overall, though, I'm very excited for Brooks Raley. I think that having this lefty out of the bullpen is something the Mets haven't had in a while, and it's something they've really needed. So the next guy up in the bullpen is Drew Smith, who is projected to have a 376 ERA with 63 strikeouts and 20 walks in 59 innings pitched. Now, Drew Smith was a tale of two pitchers last season. In the first half of the year, he dominated with his stuff. He was pitching harder than we'd seen him throw before. He was consistent in the way he performed coming out in, you know, sort of that mid to high leverage role. And, you know, just looked really good. Looked like he had really started to come into his own as, you know, he had been up and down the past few years, you know, dealing with injuries and, and you know, showing flashes here and there. But he looked like he finally figured out. But about midway through the year, around July, he kind of fell victim to the long ball. It felt like every time he went out there, he was giving up a home run, and his ERA jumped from a 199 on June 24th to a 351 on July 24th. And finally, after that July 24th start, he was placed on the injured list for a few months, and he finally came back in September. And when he came back in September, he looked really solid. He only allowed one run over five innings pitched. I know, small sample size, but it was nice to see him, you know, come back and still look good. So the Mets are really going to be relying on Smith, especially with the Diaz injury. You know, that's kind of the the, the point that I'm going to keep going back here is that the Diaz injury is really going to just require everyone to step up. And the Mets will really be relying on Smith to, to take a leap in 2023. Like I said, he's shown flashes over the past few seasons. And I think the fact that he came back and looked good at the end of the year last year is really important and a sign of good things to come. But the Mets are really going to need Smith to put it all together for a full season so that we're not dealing with, you know, kind of that that period of just 
unreliability, which really he was from, you know, mid-June to, to July. And, you know, I mentioned this very briefly, but the big thing with Smith is health. He's dealt with injuries throughout his entire career. And last year, I think that the fact that he was pitching so well led to an increased workload, which both led to a decline in his production and ultimately him getting hurt. So if he can, you know, now use that last year as experience of dealing with a bigger workload, dealing with, you know, pitching in high leverage situations and and continuing to build off of what he did well last year, I think he can turn into a really good guy, you know, a middle relief, but, you know, a guy who can be a setup man if you need him to be. And, you know, if all goes well, he'll be a perfect sixth to seventh inning guy for this team and, and could, if need be, be in that eighth inning role. And he's looked good this spring as well. In six games, he's pitched to a 1-5 ERA with 11 strikeouts. And, you know, yesterday he pitched in the Mets spring training game and, and had three strikeouts in one inning. So, you know, just really good stuff from Smith. I'm, I'm excited to see him back out on the field because I think that, you know, his injury and, you know, his decline kind of overshadowed what was a really nice start to the year for him in 2022. The next guy up is another exciting prospect, a guy who I think will, you know, I, I think surprise people, and that is John Curtis. Now, Fangraphs is projecting him a 4-2-1 ERA with 58 strikeouts and 21 walks in 56 inning pitch. Now, Curtis is an interesting case because he's a guy that the Mets have had actually for two years now. This is his second year with the Mets, but last season he was recovering from Tommy John surgery that he had had before joining the Mets. So clearly the Mets saw something in him, saw something in his previous body of work and said, we want to, you know, take a chance on this guy and wait on him. And so far in spring training, he's been very impressive. Now, yesterday he did have, honestly, his first tough outing. And I, I, I say tough, you can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes because you know, he pitched two-thirds of an inning with one run and two walks allowed with one strikeout. And, you know, you might say, all right, that's not horrible, just one run allowed. But, you know, compared to the rest of his work in spring training, that is technically, you know, a tough outing for him. Before that, he had a 150 ERA in six games with just one one walk and one run allowed and 10 strikeouts in six games. So, you know... I, you know, he's just looked really, really good out of spring training. He's looked really good after recovering from Tommy John surgery. You know, these are things that you hope happens, but you can't really expect this type of success. And obviously, you know, it's still spring training. But, you know, I think Curtis provides the, a potentially really strong middle relief arm for the Mets. And, you know, I'm excited to see him in action after the success he's had in spring training. And like I mentioned, clearly the Mets saw something in him that they were able to say, you know what, we'll wait a year before we get to see you. And, you know, obviously a, a 421 ERA from, from Fangraphs projected is, is pretty low, but I think the fact that he hasn't pitched in a, in a major league game in over a year is definitely reason to, you know, assume, you know, some struggles off the bat. But, you know, if what he's shown in spring training is what he's bringing to the, the bullpen, the major league bullpen, you know, I think the Mets are in for a, a really solid middle relief arm, so... John Curtis, another guy I'm excited to see. Next up is Tommy Hunter. Now, 
Tommy Hunter, the Mets have had have seen him over the past few years. Fangraphs is projecting him a 406 ERA with 45 strikeouts and 15 walks in 52 innings. And yeah, he's a guy that the Mets have have seen over the past few seasons here and there. You know, he he kind of comes up and down and and has never really had a solid spot in this bullpen, but every time we've seen him over the past few seasons, he's been very productive when pitching for the Mets. Last year, he made 18 appearances and he pitched to a 2 2-4-2 ERA with 22 strikeouts in 22 and a third innings pitched. That's really good. and That's really solid, especially out of a guy who the Mets will be relying on as like a middle relief type of, of role. And similar to Curtis, Hunters looked really good in spring training. Over five games, he's had seven strikeouts with no runs allowed. And, you know, if Hunter, Hunter can continue the success he's had with the Mets in the majors, continue the success he's showing in spring training, I think that he's going to really be just like Curtis, a big part of that, you know, those guys that the Mets turn to early on in games. And, you know, I don't think Hunter was expected to be a part of this bullpen, you know, heading into spring training, but because of the injuries that have, have really taken a toll on this team, you know, I, Hunter seems to be in line for a spot and can definitely be, you know, that good middle relief guy for the Mets. Next up is Steven Nagosik. We're almost done with the starters. I know the bullpen is pretty long. Um, Steven Nagosik, he's projected at a 3-9 ERA with 52 strikeouts, 19 walks in 50 innings. Now, Nagosik, just like Hunter, has been a guy who we've seen briefly here and there and here and there. Nagosik is a lot younger, you know, only 28 years old. Um, he's been a guy that's been up and down, but has shown signs here and there of being a, a strong relief arm for the Mets. Last season, he pitched in 12 games to a 2-4-5 ERA with 21 strikeouts and 22 innings pitched. He hasn't been great in spring training this year with a 5-4 ERA in four games with three runs allowed, but he also has has six strikeouts in, in five innings pitched. So, you know, I, I think that's a, a more of a positive sign to see that he is able to put, put uh, batters away like that. Um, and you know, yeah, obviously the, the runs allowed aren't great, but we've seen him provide some good stuff in the majors. And I think, you know, a more consistent role is going to be good for him. You know, he's never really had that consistent spot in the bullpen. Um, so I think once he does again, injuries have kind of made it where a guy who may not have had a, a, a solid role in the bullpen, like a hunter, like a Nagosik, are now going to have a solid spot. So, you know, I'm excited to see Nagosik over a full season because I always feel like whenever he's in, he he is performing for this team. So excited to see him over a full 2023. And that brings us to our final guy in the bullpen, and that is Dennis Santana. Now, right now on Fangraphs, Dennis Santana is the projected long man out of the bullpen. And if I'm gonna be completely honest, I don't know that much about him because the Mets just claimed him off waivers from the Twins on Friday on March 18th, so three days ago, four days ago. Last year, he pitched to a 5-2-2 ERA in 63 games with Texas, and he had a 1-3-3-0 whip, which it's all right, not great. Now, in spring training, he's pitched to a 4-5 ERA in six games, but he has had seven strikeouts in those six innings pitch, so that's nice to see. And last night, he made his first Mets outing, pitching a scoreless inning with a strikeout. So, you know, I think over these next, you know, five, six games left in spring training, it's going to be interesting to see how Dennis Santana pro progresses. 
you know, the other longman option heading into spring training appeared to be Eliezer Hernandez, who the Mets traded for in the offseason, but he's also had a really rough spring, pitching to an 8-3-1 ERA in four games, allowing eight runs in 8.2 innings pitched and only having five strikeouts. Now, Anthony DeComo says that he'll he's going to be stretched out, you know, as a as a rotational depth role in the minors in the AAA rotation, but I think that he Eliezer Hernandez is an option to be that Trevor Williams where a long man if need be, a a starter if need be as well. So I think right now it, it makes sense that Dennis Santana is the option as the 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 potential long man as Fangraphs projects. So we're really just going to have to wait and see how the rest of spring training shakes out. And, you know, I don't know. Santana had a good outing last night. Hopefully he can put a couple more consistent ones together. But, you know, that long relief role is definitely one that varies depending on team need. Now, that is basically all of the starters for the Mets. You know, the the general theme that ran through going through all those starters was the shifting importance of all the guys and the increase in their productivity. You know, you're going to need guys to really produce out of those higher leverage spots than they're probably used to or or weren't expecting to be in heading into the season and that's gonna be I think the theme for the Mets until they get to probably the trade deadline when it's you know a viable time to maybe trade for an elite closer or trade for an extra bullpen arm to bolster the 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 group now that said there are some bullpen depth options that I want to touch on First is Bryce Montez de Oca. Now, this was a guy who appeared to be on the right track to being a member of the bullpen for 2023, but he recently suffered a stress reaction in his elbow. Now, on the positive side, there wasn't any structural damage, but on the negative side, he's not going to be able to throw for a few weeks and won't be ready for opening day. However, from the way that Epler and the, the rest of the reports out there are are saying, it seems that he will be joining the bullpen at some point, but you know, it just won't be at the start of the season. Now, he had a solid spring training in spring training. His ERA looks pretty bad because it's at 11.57, but it's due to a very small am uh, sample size because he only pitched two and a third innings and allowed three runs. So that's where the high number comes from. He did throw five walks, which also isn't great. And that was sort of his issue last season when he had some brief outings in the majors and also just his uh, general... Um, scouting report on him is that he is a little wild, but he did strike out four batters in just those 2.1 innings, highlighting his plus stuff. He does have some good motion on his pitches. He does throw hard. He's a big guy. So, you know, I, I think Montez de Oca does present an exciting young arm that, you know, clearly has room for improvement, but also has a ton of potential. And I think that he's going to be a good, you know, early middle relief type of, of guy when he's able to come back and, and join this bullpen. Pen. Another option that the Mets have is Sam Coonrod. Now, the Mets claimed Coonrod off of waivers from the Phillies this winter. In spring training, he looked really, really good, allowing no runs over five innings with seven strikeouts and just one walk. And he looked to be a, a lock for the pen, honestly. He was a guy who was up and down with the Phillies when he played for them. But, 
again, his spring training numbers were really, really good, and he looked like he was going to be one of the guys joining the bullpen, but he suffered a lat strain. And unlike Montez de Oca, unfortunately, this appears to be an injury that is more significant and one that will likely keep him sidelined for multiple months. So, you know, it, obviously, it stinks losing a guy who was clearly on the up and up in spring training, but... It, you know, that said, he did show good stuff, and he looked like he is going to be a solid contributor, but it's just going to have to be further down the line, and hopefully he can, you know, join the group at a time where, you know, he's hopefully contributing during the stretch run and, and towards the pushing the Mets towards the playoffs. You know, and I also don't want to go over all of these guys, but guys like Tyler McGill or Jose Quintana, guys who are starters, will also probably at some point make some appearances out of the bullpen. Again, all based on need, but I can see those guys also making some, you know, appearances as well. So overall, I think the biggest thing about this group is depth. I really liked how the Mets built this bullpen over the offseason, considering, you know, Basically, at the beginning of free agency, Drew Smith was the only member of the group. I know Edwin Diaz resigned before free agency started, but, you know, okay, if you want to add that, basically the Mets only had Edwin Diaz and Drew Smith at the start of free agency in their bullpen. So, you know, I think it was you know just a really good job by the front office, Billy Epler and, and the rest of the guys there, both building a strong bullpen, a bullpen that, you know, has David Robertson, Adam Anavito, Brooks Raley, Drew Smith, John Curtis, Tommy Hunter, Stephen Nagosik, uh, Dennis Santana, potentially, um, you know, a, a, that's a good bullpen. Um, but that depth that I mentioned is already being tested. You're already seeing the result of a significant major injury, losing Edwin Diaz for the whole year, and, and seeing what that is going to require. And what that's going to require is the depth to step up, to assume new roles, and to be comfortable in those new roles. And luckily, because of the depth that the, the front office built, you have a backup closer already in the bullpen. You have guys who are comfortable in those high leverage spots in Adovino and Rayleigh and, and guys who can provide you good innings in the middle relief roles in Smith and Curtis and Hunter and, you know, down the line, Coonrod and, and Montez de Yoka. So, you know, I think that I'm more confident than I should be after losing Edwin Diaz. You know, I, I just think that looking, especially on paper, the depth is solid, but you know, injuries are inevitable. And so it's going to be on the guys who are there and who are healthy to step up because, you know, as much as it stinks to lose Edwin Diaz. And like I said, I feel good about the depth. This is not the first time the depth is going to be tested. I mean, already some of these other guys like Kunrad and, and Montez de Oca are already getting hurt. And Rayleigh was dealing with an injury as well, but he seems like he'll be okay for opening day. But, you know, this is not going to be an easy season, especially losing Diaz. And it's going to be on the depth. It's going to be on these arms to step up and, you know, feel comfortable in the roles they'll need to assume to have success throughout this entire 2023 season. So overall, I am very excited about this group, and it's definitely my excitement's diminished losing Diaz, but I think I'm still confident that they these guys can perform, can come through, and can, you know, be those strong arms after the, the starters come out to lock down games and to give the Mets, you know, three or four innings a game of, of good stuff. So, 
just to finish up here, you know, thank you all over the past month tuning in, listening to these, you know, positional previews. I've had a lot of fun going over all of them. I think it's really, like I mentioned in the beginning, gotten me very excited for opening day. Just looking at this team, looking at the squad that, you know, Steve Cohen and Billy Epler and, and everyone have built definitely looks like a good team, you know, maybe even better than last season, although I know injuries already are, are taking the toll on this squad. But I, I just think it's going to be a fun year, and I can't wait for next week and opening day. So that is going to be it for this episode, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I'd love to hear all of your thoughts and opinions about the Mets. You can reach me at my Twitter, at PodMets, or at my brand new Instagram, at Mets Talk Podcast. So head on over to either of those pages to leave a comment with your thoughts about anything and everything Mets. Thank you so much for listening again, and let's go Mets.